Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Ono Sullivan and today's guest on the show is Joshua Burnside, who releases his second album, Into the Depths of Hell, this Friday, September 4th. It follows the Northern Ireland Music Prize winning debut album, Ephrata, in 2017 and a couple of live albums in the interim. As you'll hear Joshua say in our chat, it's quite a metal sounding album title and cover but it's very much continuing in his singer-songwriter ways at times it is angry and loud but at others it's tender and harrowing i think it's a great album and one that stands out from the very first listen so i think and hope it does really really well for joshua in our chat he also talks about his fear of flying the tragic loss earlier this year of lyndon stevens who had a big impact on burnside's career as well as the irish music scene we also talk about the impact of the coronavirus yes there is a conversation about covid19 in this podcast i cannot imagine having a, a an interview at the moment a chat with anybody uh without talking about that and how it's impacted artists and we also talk about how his granny is his second harshest critic stay tuned to find out who's his harshest critic this is the first tpoe episode in quite a while so thanks for tuning in i took a month-long break mainly due to a few things some are seeing fewer album releases and just less happening in the irish music world as well as my being in need of a break from interviews for a little bit and also i moved city leaving cork for the big smoke and dublin so that took a while mainly because of the boxes of records that needed to be packed and heaved up but i've just about recovered now and i'm happy to get back to doing the chat so there are lots of good interviews coming over the next few weeks every tuesday or wednesday if you want to uh tune in you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and if you like what you hear you can leave a review on itunes or tell some friends about the show that would be much appreciated and delve into the archive as well there's over 150 interviews with irish artists at various levels of their career in there so you'll probably find something you like whether it's from an artist that you know or someone that you've never heard before i think uh, there's something good and interesting in all of the chats but i probably would say that wouldn't i Anyway, thanks for listening to this episode. Stick around till the end of the chat with Joshua Burnside to hear a song from the album. It's called And You Evade Him slash Born in the Blood. And as I said, the album is called Into the Depths of Hell and it's out this Friday, September 4th. You can buy it from Joshua's Bandcamp page. But let's get into it now. This is me chatting with Joshua Burnside on the Point of Everything podcast. Congratulations on your second album. It's just about to be released it's been a few years since your uh debut album were are you kind of almost surprised at like geez it's been almost three years yeah it is kind of it is kind of mad although it feels like longer time to me um than three years since i released that album it feels like a, a lifetime ago i guess with uh it's the start of this year feels like a lifetime ago so <laughs> three years ago feels like yeah an age and tell me about the album title. It's quite a heavy title, Into the Depths of Hell. Yeah. Well, I, I just... There's a lyric in, in the second song, Under the Concrete. Um, and the, well, the song kind of, kind of originates from this memory, childhood memory I have, where I think I was in trouble. I must have been about four or something. And I, I, I was in trouble and I was grounded for something. Or I was told to go to my room. I decided I was going to run away from home so I and I lived uh, my my bedroom was on the ground floor so I opened the window and I was just about to jump out um of the of the house 
when my sister stopped me and she said if you do that if you jump out that window you'll fall through the concrete and go straight into hell um <laughs> and, and the devil will get you so that's my old my older sister and uh for some reason that memory just like stuck with me over the years and i just thought that's such a it was such a dark <laughs> like i think all like religious imagery for children is like it's super traumatizing <laughs> like i remember hate hating going to church because anytime the um minister would talk about you know hell and and all that all that crack i was like what <laughs> it's just super super disturbing things that you're told as a kid just stick with you like I've got a few memories of that like just being told something and you just retain it you know like if you look outside at night you're just kind of like oh, I remember being told something about this <laughs> yeah absolutely um so yeah so then so there was a line into the depths of hell in that song and I just thought it was a really like a bit of a sort of a statement album title and, and I, I was kind of kind of made me laugh the idea of it being called that because it is so heavy and so dark and so so goth almost like you expect like a sort of a, a metal band album title to be called that and and um you know like I, I like i don't want it's a nice way to go yeah i'm, I'm a singer songwriter I'm, I'm a folk artist People are listening, can't see what I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing the commas thing with my fingers, but I'm trying to like just kind of subvert that, like what 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 I am supposed to be, I guess, by like making this really like even the, the cover of the album looks like a heavy metal sort of thing. <laughs> you um, you weren't yeah. tempted to delve into uh, making some metal music, no? Maybe for album number three. Maybe album number three. There is one song on the record that my latest single, "War and Everything," is pretty rocking. It's like the most. It's like probably the heaviest track. I've recorded i wouldn't call it metal by any means but um we did crank up the guitars and, and the drums and everything and that was a lot of fun because i haven't made a track like that in a long time and or, or really ever but i you know i grew up listening to a lot of like heavy music and um so it was fun to kind of to try that out do you find a kind of uh, a pressure with the second album like i know it's become such a cliche you know like that that difficult second album but do you kind of have to reassess like the kind of things that you've already achieved and what you want to do um next like i presume that you don't just want to be you know um this one thing you do want to kind of progress as an artist and so like do you almost sit down and think what do i want to get out of this next thing from for myself as well as like you know keeping the listeners and fans uh engaged and entertained yeah i mean uh, I, I didn't feel a lot of pressure with this album to be honest because yeah, I feel like the first one was like I recorded it very quickly, and I just, I just wanted to get an album out there. And this one, I've had a lot of time to kind of think about it, and I haven't been. I, I knew that the direction that I wanted to go in, and, and what I wanted to do differently with this album than than the last. So I just kind of followed that as the template, and just went, okay, I'm going to make this album what the first one should have been, sort of thing, or what I what I really would like to do. Um, not what the first one should have been. That's not really what, what I mean. But I guess this one's more of a because I recorded it most of the myself. It's more a proper reflection of the music that I want to make as opposed to the first one. And um, yeah, no, I didn't feel. I don't don't think I feel a lot of pressure. I think I'll feel more pressure for the third one because 
I'll, I'll want to take it a step further experimentally and try and really do something different. One of the things I've been kind of toying with the idea of for a third album is to write something really joyous and uplifting and happy, like the total opposite of what this one is. And I think that would be so much more of a challenge um, because it's really hard to write good, joyous, happy music, I think. I think that's like a, real, a real difficult thing to do. They always kind of stand out when you're listening to the radio. Like I would usually listen to Six Music or something and sometimes it's just like a happy song comes on and you're like, oh, it stops you in your tracks, you know? You're like, oh, it's, <laughs> yeah. it sounds so different to everything else. Yeah, 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 yeah. By my, my gran, granny said when she found out the album title and she heard some of the songs, she said, why do you have to write such, you know, sad music? Um, like, why don't you write more um sentimental music i think was the word she used and but then i was thinking a lot about the music that she would have listened to growing up it was before you know it was before like the beatles it was pre-beatles it was pre and it was pre-irony and pre-rock music and metal music and pre like nirvana and all that crack when everything went a bit dark and 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 ironic in, in the 90s and stuff but it was still good it doesn't just because it's not you know it's because there are there are love songs that are like really earnest. Doesn't mean the music was any any worse. You know, it was just like a different different time and different way of writing music, I guess, and different way of thinking about art in general and music and what it's for. I would like to try and I think that would be a really fun challenge to try and make music like that. I don't know how relevant it would be in today's times, but you know, I I, I guess your granny is probably your harshest critic, so is she? Uh, no, I'd probably be my own harshest critic. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> um, and then, and then, closely followed by my gran, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, just before we kind of get into um, talking about uh, this album, let's kind of talk about your journey. Just because I haven't talked to you before, um, I'm, I'm just kind of interested. Like you've you've kind of been going for like eight, nine years, kind of as as like Joshua Burnside, the artist sort of thing. How did it all start out? Well, I've always been, I've been making music for longer than that and, you know, playing gigs and stuff for longer than that as well. It's just, it was more for the fun of it and more for the, the social element of, of it that, that I did it. And it, um, it wasn't really until I met my manager, Lyndon Stevens, or my late manager, he passed away earlier this year, I really started making it, started thinking about it as an actual viable sort of career and actually something I would do full time. Um, it was him that sort of said, you know, quit your day job and, and start taking this seriously and, and you know, because it could be worthwhile. Um, so I think having that, having someone say, go for it, is something that you need. Was there something specific that kind of happened that, made him say that that uh you know you've kind of got to take it a little bit more seriously like it's such a it's such a heavy thing to confront an art you know to confront someone with you know to actually like jack in the day the day job and like this regular paycheck and and try to make it work i wanted to do that i just needed the extra bit of encouragement from from some from like an industry guy that 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 you know having someone believe in you like that is is a help you know, help me. Um, he saw me play at Stendhal Festival 2016 or 2017. 2016 it would have been. And um, 
he was like, yeah, I want to manage you. I want to put out your, I want to put out Efrata on my label. And, you know, I think this is what you should be doing all the time. So before that, I'd released little EPs myself and done plenty of gigs, but um, it was always, you know, one fit in, one fit out of the industry sort of thing. That that's kind of what everybody needs, isn't it? Just someone to actually believe in them and, you know, to kind of almost put their money where their mouth is as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So Ephrata came out in 2017 and that seems to have done really, really well. I was looking at the opening song, Blood Drive. It has 12 and a half million plays on Spotify, which is, uh, you know, it's pretty impressive, particularly for an, an Irish artist. How did that happen? Um, I think it just, we just got on a, a good playlist really um spotify stats aren't really a good measure for success i think um to be honest um because you can have you know if you have a song that that a that a whoever makes the playlist for likes if you get put on that playlist and it's you know got three million followers then that's just gonna you know skyrocket but it's a lot of a lot of the playlists are sort of casual listeners um, and they're not really engaging. It's sort of they're using it as a back background music for coffee places and whatever else it is. So although it sounds impressive, and I should be bigging it up, <laughs> but um, there's there's artists that are, that are you know world world famous that have you know less Spotify plays than, than me even. And that, so it's not really it's great. It is great, and um, don't get me wrong, but. Um, I think it it it, uh, it can make artists think they're 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 bigger than they are. If you know what I mean. <laughs> so, was was it an instant thing? Like it instantly started picking up traction, or was it very much like a slow over like months and months and months that it kind of um that it picked up those plays? I think it was you know, it was a slow thing. Yeah, it wasn't until okay. about a year after the album was out that the, that, that 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 track got picked up on a few things, and, and then and then. Um, it did as well as it did, but it does really well in, in, in the States, which is, which is great. And, but getting to the States and touring in the States is, is an expensive, you know, prospect and I and can't, can't even do it right now. Yeah. I'm looking forward to touring again in Ireland and in the UK and, and going to places where, you know, I know I've got, you know, a bit of a, bit of a fan base, but. Right. So, so is that kind of the thing you, you, you seem to have. I don't know, kind of uh, come out the other side of it. I mean, it must have been exciting seeing the plays on Spotify pick up as well. Like, I presume that you're not kind of going to be a big Spotify basher like a, lo- a lot of people can be, you know, that, oh, they should be playing, paying their artists more and everything, even though I presume you would probably say that as well. But I'm guessing that it has opened a lot of doors to you just getting this kind of traction with this track. Um, I don't. I can't be sure how much doors it's open for me. Really? I think. I. I mean, it's been. Yeah, I mean, I haven't made a lot of money from from that album, to be honest. Um, just because the money that was spent on it and and on the live album and stuff, it uh, it's complicated, and um. But I think, and I think a lot of like a lot of industry people know that 
that, that Spotify numbers aren't, aren't really a good indicator of, of how successful. What's more important really is how many tickets you sell at shows, I think. And if you can, you can say, oh, I've played here, I've played there, and I can fill this venue, I can fill this venue, this other venue, whatever. That's the, that's the real like sign that you know that for other industry people to kind of get on board. And um, I mean, I've got a great team now, publisher and booking agent and all the rest of it. And I'm still technically an independent artist, but I've got this sort of great team behind me anyway. And that's that's kind of the, the ideal situation I want to be in because. Um, I've got a lot of control over all the creative decisions and um, there's no one telling me, you know, this needs to be, you need to write a big single now, you need to write a big pop anthem or any of that, any of that rubbish and I've got full control of the art and, and how things sound. So I'm quite happy with the position I'm in. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm excited about trying to get over to, to, to Europe more and trying to build my audience in, in places like Germany and the Netherlands and France and stuff like that there um, um, after this whole COVID carry on is. I, I toured in Germany just before um, the lockdown and it was it was amazing. I really, really enjoyed it and would like to build on that when I get the chance. So, Is that one of the things that the debut album just allowed you to do, just to go to all of these places? Like it just opens up doors that you, you um, don't have opened to you uh before you release that debut album when you've only got like an ep or a couple of tracks yeah i think there's there there are plenty of artists that have only got a few songs out that manage to you know tour and gig and have a a a, a massive fan base just from the the couple of songs they've released or you know um, but i think releasing an album does send a message that you're you're serious and you're in it for the even though people don't really consume albums the same way anymore, it's like more of a statement, isn't it? I guess that you're a serious artist, I suppose. But as far as it, it definitely opened doors for me, you know, re- winning the NI Music Prize with that album was was a was a big boost to my career, I think. And um, so things like that do do help, but it's such an incremental build, I think, for most independent artists. Like people have this idea that like you release a, a song or a record and everything changes and suddenly you're getting blah blah and that does happen for for a very 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 small minority of artists that become quite popular in a very short space of time. But um, for me, for myself, and for most other you know artists that do this as a career, it's a very slow, slow climb with you know many obstacles and um, it's but it's it's not about it's not about where you're trying to get to. I mean, I'm doing it because I love it and, and the, it's, you know, it's not about where, you, where you're going. It's about the present and, and your, the gigs that you're doing at the time and the people that you're working with right now. And um, like I'm in like the, I really appreciate what I'm saying is where I'm at and I'm not like too worried about the future. Yeah. I, I guess things are just picking up now just because the al- album release is just around the corner. But does it actually uh, feel more like work than it would have before? Or is it all stuff that you're just happy to do? Like doing the interviews, doing the doing the kind of the slog work that's involved. Like, is that all? It, it could be so much worse things that I could be doing. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I there's, there's, there's parts of the job that are, that are really boring, you know, emails and, and, just just standard admin-y, admin-y stuff of, of being, you know, of any soul trader, I guess. But, uh, like, 
I every day that I do this for a living is a is a blessing. I've I've never really I've only ever had like one job before, and that was working in a bar, and I loved that as well. But it was so much harder than this. <laughs> I tell you, waiting waiting tables is is it's no mean. Like, it's not it's not easy work. Like you're on your feet all day. Or working in a bar or anything like that there and, and um you also have to deal with the public and any job you deal with the public generally is is a uh, grim <laughs> yeah i th- i think it's good to that more people are kind of thinking about it as a job and saying it's a job and saying that there is slog involved as well like i i, I don't know if it's just kind of the coronavirus and you know, like all of the stuff that's been attached with that, with artists not getting paid and having trouble getting onto schemes and stuff. That it's good that artists are talking about it as a job because it is. Yeah, yeah, no, it is, and um, one of the things that I saw they did like a study on, you know, talking versus singing, and which is worse for spreading um, coronavirus, and. It turned out that you know singing doesn't really spread it as much as, or no, no, no significantly, not significantly more than talking, um, at the same volume, and uh, the authors of this of the study said this would be great news for people around the country who like to sing because it's an important pastime, uh, and hobby of of people in in the country, and I was like, pastime, <laughs> hobby. It's like this is my career <laughs> and thousands and thousands of other people's livelihoods and jobs. So it just goes to show you like what people, a lot of people just don't take it seriously. I think I don't, don't take the art seriously anyway. And kind of think of it as pastimes and hobbies as opposed to, you know, people's livelihoods. Yeah. Um, do, do we need to have a conversation about coronavirus and, and how it's impacted you uh, this year? Like, did you have big plans that, that were shelved? Not we just kind of carried on with well I was gonna I had a lot of touring plans a lot of gigs, um you know I was gonna go over to America to do a bunch of shows and um a few other places but apart from that the the general um, timeline of events for bringing out the album we just stuck to it and we figured we best just just carry on with the, with our with our plans and when gigging starts again. You know, even if it's it, there's a gap between when we release the record and when we start touring the record, give people time to digest it and listen to it, and um, which is not necessarily such a bad thing. Have you got gigs penciled in? Yeah, I have a few gigs penciled in down south. I think uh, Claire Morris, uh, I'll be playing in October, and Doolin's as well. I think in October, um, possibly Cork, maybe a Dublin gig. Um, I don't think I've got anything off the island, but yeah, little we little small gigs, mostly outdoor stuff, you know, um, socially distant things. But it's, it's but it's something, you know. F- fingers crossed that they go ahead. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? You can't really have concrete plans because, yeah, yeah, who knows? But the fact the sooner we get the the arts gets back rolling, the gigs keep happening again. The better, I think, as long as people are sensible and and um, yeah, we try and try and maintain all the all the things that we've had to do. 
so I think I think we can do gigs again and we can make it work, but we have to rely on people to to know just wash your hands all the time and wear masks and all that all that crack. And if it goes wrong, it goes wrong. But I don't think we have we should be shutting down an entire artistic economy every time something happens something, something goes wrong should I mean because I think the, the detriment to the mental well-being and the general health of that industry of the industry the long-term effects will be felt for a, for a lot lot longer than than the, the coronavirus so maybe I don't know this is I'm just kind of thinking aloud here <laughs> Would you be averse to playing sit-down gigs, like 40-person in a music venue? Like, would you just be like, just give me any type of gig, I will take it? Yeah, right now I'm like, it's in to play anything. I like sit-down gigs anyway. and I like smaller audiences as well, because, yeah, you can you can have a bit of crack with that. So it doesn't bother me. I'm just happy to get, get going again. Okay, F- fingers fingers crossed. So hopefully, hopefully uh, you'll get back on the gigging circuit sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, just before we move on to talking so about the new album more in depth, um, tell me about Lyndon Stevens, who you mentioned earlier. Um, it was a real tragedy that he passed earlier this year. I had been, I had talked to him over the years as well. He had been like he was called a real champion of music, and he had uh, this this label, and he really seemed to champion uh, a lot of artists from Belfast and it seems like he had an indelible impact on uh you both as a person as an and as an artist. Yeah, for sure. He was a great great guy and great friend and uh he'll be sorely missed. Um he's a great taste in music, great area for music and when he liked something he really got behind it and he took a lot of risks with his own with his own time and money into artists like myself and others because he believed in them and credit to him for that um it was you know he was he was sick for a, a long time but he passed it, it came about it just kind of went downhill pretty quick and it was a real shock to everyone um and yeah it was it was a it was a grim start to the year that of that was going to only get keep getting worse <laughs> and so i feel like personally i haven't um, because so much has been going on this year i feel like i haven't almost had time to properly process that you know so it is it's been yeah it's been a bit of a melty situation um but you know, I, I think Lyndon liked the new album and sort of gave it its blessing before before he passed away. And and uh, I think he'll just want me to keep at it and and uh, keep going forward and keep trying the best I can to to yeah do this. <laughs> great, great. No, I was really sad to see it happened, and uh, my my condolences. Uh, just because, yeah, I can imagine just how big an impact he had up on the Belfast scene. Yeah, yeah, he had a huge impact on the on the scene, and uh, yeah, there's sort of a big Linden shaped hole in the music scene in Belfast, and it's uh, it's a weird one, yeah. And so coming back uh, to the album, Into the Depths of Hell, uh, the press release says that it is inspired 
by her struggles with self-medication, anxiety, and mankind's urge to ravage its surroundings with reckless abandon. Um, pretty heady subject matters there. Uh, was it difficult to, um, I don't know, to, to kind of confront, particularly the first part, the, the self-medication and anxiety? Yeah. Um, look, no, I, I think I'm, I'm always dealing with pretty heavy, big subjects. But I like to, but sort of in a lighthearted way a lot of the time as, as well. You, you can talk about these things and sing about these things in a way that, you know, is, is can be a be sort of take, take the piss out of yourself a wee bit sometimes. In, in, in Whiskey Whiskey, I talk about, you know, drinking on, on flights to try and overcome my fear of, of you know, dying in a plane. And uh, I'm a li- it's a little tongue-in-cheek sometimes, you know, this idea that I, I don't want to die sober and all, all that crack. It's sort of, um, I'm sort of having a bit of fun with it, with, with my anxiety and with these, these feelings, you know. Um, yeah, I'm, I, this, like the heavy stuff, existential stuff, it's my bread and butter when it comes to songwriting. So <laughs> I'm like quite... <laughs> It's how I get get it all out, and it's how I deal with deal with life, you know. And yeah, it it's not a cry for help, so it's not you're not looking for an intervention or anything like that at the moment. No, it's just how I deal with 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 things. People say to me, they read like my like descriptions of my music and lots of words like moody and dark and all that crack, and I'm really not that sort of person day to day i'm pretty uh i'm pretty um positive guy but i think that's because i get it all out in the music you know so i just get getting all that all that angst off my chest putting it into the music and then i'm free to go about my day uh, as a happy go lucky scamp that i am (laughs) how how uh um real is the fear of flying is it is it uh, like a gripping one is it like really really uh like worrisome it's awful it's really awful i hate it i hate, hate flying so much <laughs> it's uh, and it gets worse every year yeah and I, I have to before you know lockdown all that crack I, I was flying a lot for gigs and um and it i don't know it's it's a lack of control in this scenario and um it just it would just be such a horrible way to go and I, i'm convinced that that's how i'm gonna die <laughs> that's and not even, something your sister said to you at all when you were younger either no <laughs> maybe it all comes back to that but um yeah i just i just um i don't know i don't know why it, it is as bad as it is because I, I, I don't really i don't have i don't suffer from you know anxiety a lot but that's one of the things that really brings it out and um i would i think i i would try I'll, I'll, after lockdown when gigs start happening again and turns starts happening again i'm gonna actually try and work out <clears throat> a way to fly less not just for my because i don't enjoy it but because there's so many things about it that i don't enjoy from from the from the start of it i hate airports and airport security and all that crack is like really stressful and there's something about airport security that I, and, and how much power they have in the airport 
which really bothers me. It's like a real statement of how much the government and states have over us, you know what I mean? And that kind of freaks me out a bit. And so that there's that aspect to it as well. And then the actual being like miles up in the sky and this big crazy metal bird um, is also just it's awful. The whole thing's awful. So I'm going to try and get trains and boats from now on. <laughs> and um, it's also because it's terrible for the environment as well. And I think people need to fly less. And so I would like to try and work out like a, a European tour at least where I don't get one flight. I think that would be a good goal. Um, so I'd kill two birds with one stone, you know, like don't have to fly and go to airports, which I don't want to do, and also help the environment. So, yeah, it's it's not something so that gets easier the more you do it. The, the no, flying, it gets, it gets worse. Wow, <laughs> I don't know why. As I get older, it gets worse and worse. I used to not mind wow. it when I was younger. Hmm, that's interesting. That's really interesting. Um. Uh, and the environmental side of uh, the album as well, is is it something that's kind of uh, difficult to kind of get into song and to kind of get across in an artistic, musical kind of way? Yeah, it is kind of... Um, you know, I only really touch on it uh, here and there in, in, the, in the album. And I think I would like to write about it more, sing about it more, because it is something that, that, that I think about a lot and it's something that is... It's it's the pressing issue of our times. I think is is the climate crisis and um, you know human beings' destruction of of a natural world and and it's yeah it's something I think about a lot. So I I I would like to write more songs about it, but it is a it is a difficult one to kind of to wrap your head around and, and write about. Um, I think I touch on it on on the concrete and and, and the sort of the the kind of wanting trying to get everything now and everything being perfect and pristine and and the the way we pollute the environments that we live in and the what we put up with day to day that slowly gets worse and worse in our cities and, and the smoke and the and the and the dirt and all and all that crack and it's just yeah things need to change rapidly but uh I, yeah it is it is a difficult one to write about I think it's such a big, it's such a big issue, and but I, it is something I would like to to try and write about more and and see what what I come up with. Yeah, that that was kind of the paradox of um the the impact of COVID nineteen, just that nature hadn't been uh so good in years and was being so uh less impacted by the complete lack of flights that was around the place, by the complete lack of cars that were on the road commuting to work every day. It was like great to see nature kind of re- enjoy a little bit of a resurgence. Um, and it's it's almost disappointing and sad to see that it's got instantly gone back to the to the old way but um hopefully uh it will make some people reassess in uh some way but um on your album do you, do you think anything changed uh in terms of the artistic process from uh the first album like i know you said earlier that uh in in some ways this is the album that you wanted the first one uh to be like what was different maybe personally and creatively for you um I spent more time writing songs and I had a, a bigger collection of songs to go with and I sort of narrowed them down to the 10 I liked the most. Um, so that was a big difference as opposed to 
I had the songs of Efrata and maybe a couple others and I just went, okay, this is the album, it's ready to go. So this time I was I could be a bit more precious about which songs I was going to use. And also that I recorded it in my own studio, in my own time and made a huge difference to the songs because a lot of the songs were produced as they were being written as opposed to them being finished and then bringing them into the studio. And I much prefer that way of working where you're sort of writing while you're producing and those two two things are sort of mingled. Um, For me, creatively, it's it's a lot more exciting because one affects the other. So you might have a production idea um, that determines how the song is structured or a lyric in the song or or vice versa. You might have a lyric that, you know, okay, so that line needs to be there, so this noise needs to be here. And the two, those two creative fields that are often separated, um, for me, I think it's a lot of fun kind of bringing them together. And um, it, uh, For me, it leads to more like experimental um, songs, structures and, and ideas and, and more idiosyncratic sort of things happening. Yeah, I know a lot of people don't like to work like that. I I always thought that it was kind of the other way around when people were making their second albums. Like the first album, you've got years and years to put into it and, you know, like a decade of songs or however long that you've been making music. And then you've only got like a year or two before you uh, think about creating the second one. It sounds like you almost had the opposite effect that you had um, just a lot more songs to choose from. Yeah, I... um... I think, I mean, I think because I planned to release the second album really not that long after Efrata, maybe like a year or two. So I had an album of songs and a, and a few others ready to go. And then I decided I wasn't keen on them anymore and I wasn't really happy with them. So I just went back to the drawing board and started writing more. And I just kept doing that until I had the songs that I wanted. Um, and there, there was a lot of them. Um, yeah. I guess it is sort of the, the backwards way of, of doing it. And what about those songs that haven't made it uh, onto the album? Do they kind of stick around and they're kind of there, kind of in case of emergency for album number three? Or are they songs that uh, I, there, there's something here, I want to work on these and I'll, I'll come back to them. They're not kind of like uh, thrown in the bin just because they didn't make it onto this album. Some of them are thrown in the bin or scrapped for, for good parts, you know, like, if there's a song that I, that I like one bit of, or like one chord sequence or one lyric of, you know, it, it, I won't. It's not like you put it in the trash and delete. It's all backed up and all that crack. And if you're ever looking for inspiration, you might delve into the the archive of songs that never became, came to light, and then you can scrap songs for bits that you like and ideas that you, that you want to keep, and and then bin the rest or not use the rest. And so. You know, as a songwriter, like you're doing it all the time, and you need to. It's good to have that like collection of stuff you can kind of go back to and rework, and um, it's really it's a useful like creative uh, tool, I suppose. Or, or um, yeah, it's good. It's good. To, it's good to work like that. I think. Um, but yeah, the songs. I was actually working on a concept album, and it. I just I just felt like it got quite contrived and I kind of got fed up with the with the whole idea, but I think I will release sort of like a concept EP of like the maybe like the, my favorite five five tracks from that um, maybe next year, 
and then but I think for the third album I always like if, if you're gonna release if I'm gonna release a new album I'd like to all be like brand new songs and I haven't started writing that yet but I think I I feel like it, I need to get this one out before I start writing the third even though a lot of artists would, would only would start writing their their albums long before their the album that is coming out is out if you know what I mean uh, I know artists that work like that and but for me, I kind of need closure on one album before starting the next. I need like a little bit of space to breathe and think about what I did and what I want to do now. So um, I'm looking forward to starting starting that. Well, well, you've almost got uh, that closure. The album is uh, just about to be released. Are you as excited as ever about uh, getting the music out in the world and seeing the reaction? Yeah, no, I'm really excited. Um, I'll be interested to see what people like it and what like which people don't, which people do. Uh, it is always interesting. It doesn't really make a difference to me personally or creative, creative, creatively, like what people think of it. Um, but it is nice when you get. It is always nice to get you know good reviews or um, good feedback from people. That's that's always an encouraging thing. But you can't really take it too much on board because the more the more compliments and nice reviews you take on board then when you get negative reviews or you know whatever that's going to hurt even more and that's going to so you kind of have to just kind of let it just wash over you and then just forget about it and then move on well i think it's really good anyway so so if you'll um ac- accept my uh praise congratulations and uh like it, as you say like it sounds like it was a lot of hard work and so I just hope that you're uh, able to enjoy it and hopefully you'll be able to um, bask in the applause of gigs uh, sooner rather than later. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Yeah, I can't wait to gig again. Oh, uh-huh. 